Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast, where I'm your host, Dr. Jim Hoven, and I have the opportunity every single week to meet people who are making a difference in the lives of others. And that might be in their homes, in the community, or even further than that to the nation or as far as the world. And today, I have someone who's super special to me, super incredible, super amazing. And I could go on with the superlative supers, but leave it to say this person is a rock star in my life. She has helped me personally in ways that we will probably not get into on this show, but she has helped so many patients through her acupuncture art and all the things that she does. And so without any further delay, I want to introduce Shauna Hoven. Now, if the name sounds familiar, it's because it's my lovely wife. Shauna, thanks for coming. I know you're looking forward to this above everything else in your life. So Absolutely. Welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you. So as we get started, I want to um, make sure that I understand and the people understand how you got into acupuncture. We're going to go back into some of your history prior to that, but how did you um, figure out acupuncture? Why acupuncture? Because it's not super common, right? It's not how you, most people think of, I'm going to grow up and be an acupuncturist. Tell us a little bit about the story about how you connected with acupuncture. Um, it started when I was 16, actually. I was in a rollover car accident and... Um, from there, you know, you just go to your medical doctor and they had me on all kinds of different medications. And they kept me there for about a year, year and a half, and I just didn't feel right. And my parents, thank goodness, were kind of forward thinking and more alternative, took me to a chiropractor. And he had a massage therapist and he was learning, the chiro was learning acupuncture at the time. So I got to experience all three of those in my healing process when I was a teenager. And it was phenomenal. Did you find um, a relief different from the acupuncture than maybe you did from the chiropractic and the medical side? Or did it all seem to work together for you as far as, far as the healing went? You know, it all seemed to work together for me at the time. Mm -hmm. And I do remember when I was laying on the table and I, he had done acupuncture on me, I couldn't, my arms were so heavy, you know, it was just, I felt so relaxed and good, you know, and I'm just like, wow, this is fascinating. I didn't understand how needles could make you feel so Zen-like, you know? Right. So it was just kind of that thing, but it really did facilitate, um, I think the three, the combo of all three. And, but it, there was a delay in, and I, for everyone listening or watching, I know this story because obviously you and I spend a lot of time together. We've been married for 21 amazing years. And um, so we know each other pretty well by now. But the story is fascinating to me. Uh, you didn't, at, at that time, after 16, it wasn't like, I'm going to go be an acupuncturist. There was, you had a lot of life to live between yes. uh, when you felt the benefits of acupuncture and when you went training. Can you just bring us up to speed on your journey as a healthcare provider? Correct. Um, yeah, absolutely. I went into, I was in a really um, crazy state in my life, not sure what I wanted to do and not in a, in a good relationship, I guess. And um, really just asking what my next step should be. And massage popped into my head. And I had been doing massage on people since I was probably five. My mom worked at a police department and I used to go and <laughs> massage all the dispatchers um, and just really had kind of a knack and a feel for that. So that started my journey in healing and the alternative healthcare and absolutely loved it. And then obviously we had some clinics together where 
it was a really busy practice. So I was now at that point doing, you know, six to eight hour massages a day, which really burnt me out, which then led me into the next um, phase of my life. And it was such a cool serendipitous story how that happened. We were um, out to dinner with a gal who had just graduated Cairo school and she was an associate friend of yours. And um, she was 50, 50. Remember when that was old? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, I was like, she just got done with school. If she can do it, you know, so can I. And she'd asked me, you know, what would you do if you weren't massaging? And at that point, I was really kind of breaking down from all the, the years and hours of um, time. And acupuncture was the first thing that popped into my head and out my mouth and I'll never forget, you turned around and you looked and you're like, is that what you want? And I'm like, I guess so. So kind of history's over from there. I mean, we just started. I mean, I think I started that following January. And you know, acupuncture is different. The, <clears throat> the difference between massage and acupuncture, they, they're definitely hand in hand along with chiropractic and naturopathy and all these other type of great PT, like all of it works in helping the body heal from a natural perspective, fascinating. But the difference in the intention on the acupuncture side and the intention on the massage side is it's really profound to me because like when you, and I will tell you, your massage skills are amazing. Like I'm sure there are many patients that really miss that work that you did. But I remember as your body started breaking down and we had to go to the orthopedist and the orthopedist was like, listen, you can't keep doing this. Your wrist is, it's just not going to handle the, the workload. And there was a, a transition, I'm sure, for you going into acupuncture school, but I would like for you to take us through the study of acupuncture as a student, because <laughs> I was amazed as I was watching you, you know, now I'm already <clears throat> practicing, doing my chiropractic thing, and you would work and do massage, and then you were coming, going to school and then coming home and studying what to me was a different language because of the herbs in Chinese nomenclature and the writing and everything walk us through that educational process of learning the philosophy and the art of an acupuncturist so everything we've ever been taught in western in western civilization throw it out the window that's mm. what i learned um it, because they bring in this eastern philosophy that is really truly beautiful and they talk a lot about um you know, evil wind. And that has to do with people can be riding in their car all the time with their window down and the wind is blowing on their face. A lot of, a lot of people will get Bell's palsy just from that wind invading the channels is what they would say, you know, so it's just weird, you know, it's obviously it was very different um, language that they did. And then going into the herbal study, um, everything again was written in, um, Pinyin, which is kind of an English pronunciation of a Chinese herb. So it was very, very uh, different, actually, yeah. to, to have to study it and create your own Materia Medica from it. And, and what is a Materia Medica? It is gathering all of the Chinese herbs and making your own book um, with actions and innovations and direction. And they all have their own... Um, you know, are they hot? Are they cold? Are they moistening? Are they drying? You know, depending on what's going on with a person that will help you diagnose what type of herb to, to give them. 
So I want to come back to that in a minute, but I want to rewind. Did you know as a little girl, you said at five years old, you're kind of coming in because your folks were in law enforcement. And so you're kind of working in on the shoulders or whatever of the dispatch folks. Did you know that your destiny would be somehow in taking care of others? Or when did you, when did that dawn on you? Because, you know, like you said, you, you, and by this time, for those that didn't know, you already had kids, you were doing your thing before you ever went to training as a healthcare provider. Did you put that away for a while to be a mom or did you always know it was going to come back or what sparked the initial uh, healthcare journey? That's a great question. I <clears throat> honestly, I always knew I would be in, you know, some type of healing, um, but I didn't really understand the depth of that until I was a little bit older. And I think all my practice and working with um, the people that I did when I was younger and my great aunt, you know, who was a really huge influence in my life, um, helping me to define all of that. So then fast forward. So I really feel like I, you know, had a good um, sense of that. And then it was when I was really just asking God, what is my next step when I was in this really stuck place? And it, you know, I was in my mid 20s and it was just a flash and it came into my head and man, I haven't looked back since. No, you have not. You've treated so many people and done so many things that have changed people's lives, which is why you're on the podcast. You've made a difference at massive levels and we'll get into this later, but you've, you're now doing that not only for private clients here in the Denver area, but also here at Ramos Law. Like one of the things that we are so proud of is culture is a big part of what we do. And so you come into the office and you provide acupuncture for our people here. And I know that the appreciation, you hear it every day. I hear it about you every day. I'm, I'm interested in, as you learn as a provider, kind of going back into the education thing, what was the biggest adjustment for you in going from massage where you learned about all the muscles and how they work and what nerves do and how deep you should go in pressure versus how light you should go versus this acupuncture, which is like you mentioned a minute ago, it's a philosophy change, right? It's how does the element the particular element or elements affect this person, whether it's wind or metal or earth or fire, or all the rest of them that you, that you can talk about. How was that um, connection of that philosophy? What did it do for you as a healer compared to what you had already learned in your massage therapy training? You know, it was, um, it, it was a really profound healing that took place for me personally. Um, at the time I was going through some pretty heavy stuff and it really helped me to see the light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, where you can be helpless and hopeless and have a good connection with a, a, a good provider and be able to kind of walk your way through that. So for me, emotionally and spiritually and um, physically, it helped me tremendously. The actual acupuncture and the philosophy, or did you find a mentor that the was actual there? The acupuncture, the philosophy, you know, the whole, the whole package. It was a different way, a, di a different lens to look at life, as it were. You know, I think we get so caught up in our own story, and we keep retelling that story over and over again. And it, we just can't seem to get out of that where this philosophy helps kind of give you that different lens to make you look at things a bit differently and to help you start slowly changing that story. So it's not so negative all the time. 
And so there's a combination. So part one is the philosophy and the lens that you were talking about. Part two is the application of the art. So whether that be through needle placement or through herb um, introduction to the system, that kind of thing. How does that work as a, when you're, you're an acupuncturist, a patient comes in, you've got to look at their worldview, I'm assuming, how they look at the world so that you can know where you can put pieces. Then you've got to look at what points, and you probably should d define what points acupuncture points are and how they work. And then how do you combine those to get a positive effect on your patient? Um, you're looking at the whole person. So you're, when you're interviewing someone, you're literally looking at their color. You're watching their body mechanics, how they're working. You're listening to the quality of their voice. Um, you're looking at just kind of a, an aura around them and then listening to what their chief complaint might be and putting together um, within an element theory. So in Chinese medicine, there's five elements that I really just, I really believe in and I kind of I, um, practice my that way. So it um, starts with fire and it goes to earth and it goes to metal and to water, to wood, and then back to fire. So all of those elements have their own um, color, sound, odor, emotion, quirky traits, beautiful traits. And we're supposed to flow within all of these elements at any given time. For instance, if someone cuts you off, it's appropriate to get pissed, but I don't want you to stay there, right? Right, and so that would represent, that emotion would represent one of the elements? Right, a, a, like a wood element. Okay. Um, and, you know, so we, you know, we never want to stay stuck in any one of the elements. So learning to, to figure out where you are and you might be floating through all five, which is brilliant and beautiful, or you might be in a triangle that you are in this loop that you can't get out, you know, picture a hamster wheel and you're just stuck on it. And so then how do the, how do you know what points, like what, first of all, define the points. And then how do you know what points to help someone move through those various elements? Um, being able to define that, say, we'll go back to the anger piece. Um, say you're just really stuck in anger and everything that happens in your world, you're just ticked about. Makes you angry. Makes you angry. And um, figuring out your true element and who you are as a person is, you know, obviously going to be the key. And then from there, we'll go in, we can, we can access for instance, the wood element, it's easier if I have a chart and I didn't, didn't know, didn't bring it. Um, we, we can access the wood element through all of the other um, elements. So we can go in to fire, for instance, and hit wood from there, or I can hit earth from there. And then I'll just start softening um, and bringing that down. You know, it's in excess. So I want to, I want to tonify it. So that, that's that high level, that's like 300 level math for, for me and I'm sure a lot of listeners. So yeah. let's, let's move backwards for a minute. Define what an acupuncture point is because when everyone here, or maybe even a meridian, okay. um, because that's what acupuncture is based on, right? These 12 energy lines that they call meridians and what, just talk a little bit about the, the lines, the meridians and the points. Okay. We have, we're all, um, have 12 main meridians and then there's convergent channels that go alongside of that but we'll just stick with the 12 main ones that'll be a lot easier and they're named after organ systems so the heart and the spleen and the lungs and the liver and gallbladder and we have large intestine and so on and so forth 
And each one of the meridians has a two-hour window when they're at their peak. And so really learning to be able to access that and figure out, like, if you are stuck in that anger moment, you know, we're going to really look, I bet you're waking up in the middle of the night, you know, so then I'll kind of be able to backtrack from there. And maybe I went a little too far. Um, so in the meridians, they all have points and they have a, an entry point and an exit point. And they go from anywhere from your pinky toe all the way up into, you know, the corner of your eye, which would be our, our bladder meridian. And um, the points along there all have their own, um, uh, their own energy to it, their own spirit of the point. So if you are, again, we'll go back to anger, if you're really stuck in that anger, I can really get into the spirit of the point by taking maybe some heart and some earth and calming that down. Does so there's, a, there's an assignment of points to emotions. Correct. Now, most people, I'm sure this is new for them to think about the acupuncture tied to the emotional side of things. What about the physical? If anyone has tried acupuncture, typically they're like, oh, I have headaches or I have back pain or I have sciatica and I'm trying acupuncture for that. Is there a difference in how you would approach that as a, as an acupuncturist as instead of saying, okay, I'm looking for if you're angry or sad or happy or whatever emotion, or do you go for low back pain? I know these points to do that affect low back pain, or do you mix that somehow? Rarely do I mix it. I really, um, you know, we can definitely work on a musculoskeletal side of things, which is traditional Chinese medicine, from headaches to um, menopause symptoms to constipation to common cold, so on and so forth. There's some really, I mean, there's really good functional points that work um, brilliantly to take care of all that. And then the five element theory is more getting into the stress of our lives and getting all of that balanced and then allowing from that balance the physical body to heal. Got it. And so there are times where you may start with someone where if they have headaches, you say, okay, we're going to address your headache. But because of my evaluation, I can tell you there's an underlying emotional component as it were. So let's take care of one piece and then another. Is that yes. accurate? Yes. And depending on what the person, obviously, it's depending on what they want to do and how they want to approach it. A lot of people don't want to get into the stressful side of life. They may not be ready to open up and look at it or change the lens that they've been looking at it through. So they just come in for headaches and it's just like, give me some, some stress or some relief from headaches. And you've gotten great results with that. I know that we have one um, person who you've treated and that we both know and um, he's a very elite racer, whether yes, it's a, yeah. a marathon guy slash Spartan racer. And I, I'd love for you to tell kind of that story. Obviously, you know, we won't give his name or anything, but right. just tell his story about how acupuncture has made an impact in his, his physical training in his life that way. In his world. He, um, yeah, he started coming to me with a little hitch in his get along, as it were. So he had some glute issues going into his hamstring and had never tried acupuncture before. And because he is an elite athlete, he wears two different Fitbit watches, one on each wrist, and he measures biometrics. He measures sleep. I mean, just 
crazy amounts of data that I don't even understand. So I'll, I'll say that. And um, anyway, I treated him, and he um, that I checked on him that night, and he's like, "No, I don't notice much of a difference." You know, my I still have after that, his first treatment. After his first treatment, I still have that little hitch in my my uh, backside, and I'm like, "Okay." And I said, "You know, tomorrow you're going to feel a lot better." And the next day, I think it was probably two days later, we saw him um, running through our neighborhood, and I asked him, and he stopped his run, and he said his biometrics, all of his markers on these two different Fitbits that he wears, or whatever it is, watches, the sleep cycle was way better. He said that his recovery was way better. And he's like, we, it was either because we just opened the windows in our house, or it must have been from the acupuncture. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll just test it and try. And each time now that I treat him, he will, he will literally screenshot me his markers off of his data. And his recovery time is just exceptional. So for, for me, that scientific piece to be able to have something you can see, you know, that is real and live where he didn't really, I don't think initially believed in acupuncture, is now becoming a believer. Right on. And yeah. the cool thing about that is I love providers of any sort, whether they're medical doctors, PTs, chiros, acupuncturists, whatever, that take the person from where they are and help lead them along the path to a journey. So for example, me as a chiropractor, I have several different techniques that I could use, but I want to find what that person's comfortable with and that they're going to get the best response with not only based on their condition and their physical findings, but where they're at more emotionally. If they're afraid of getting a manual adjustment, I have an instrument. If they don't think the instrument will work, I have a manual adjustment. And so what you just shared there was taking this person where he is, and even if he needs more, drip feeding him on what's gonna work now. And as he becomes more comfortable and confident with the art, now you can start saying, hey, let's go at deeper and deeper levels. Have you found that with a lot of your patients? Correct, yes, most definitely. Um, you know, a lot of people aren't ready for this type of... Um um, medicine as on, on the intense side, you mean, or acupuncture in general, acupuncture in general, you know, they just, they don't really know about it. They haven't been obviously trained in it, you know, and they kind of poo poo it at first until they really try it. And then it's, um, it's fun. It's fun to see that light bulb go off that it's like, I've even had a client go, gosh, I'm so used to just getting surgery every time I have a pain and she's moving her shoulder, you know, I mean, she's just like, who knew? And I'm right. like, right, you know, just really being able to get balance in, in one's world. You know, I've heard you say something that I love so many times about acupuncture that describes exactly what you were just sharing. And I'll bring it up in, in kind of two ways. Um, you call acupuncture a beautiful medicine. And I love that term because it describes something that works along with the body. It's complementary with the person as opposed to forcing something from the outside in. I think that's great. And then also, I mean, you know, I'm, you're probably blushed a little bit about this, but you actually had a patient that, that, you know, I have not forgotten. I know you haven't forgotten. And she titled you, oh, you remember? I she did. titled you, she gave you a, a term, the puzzle master. And that was her name for you based on how you had worked through the pieces of her life at all of these various levels. I'm interested for you to speak about the beautiful medicine and the puzzle of someone's life through health. Wow. 
That's deep. Didn't know that was coming. <laughs> Jimmy H, that's deep. Um, you know, honestly, I think we are so trained that when we have a headache, it's just an issue with our head. Mm -hmm. If we have, you know, a pain in our side, it's just, you know, a, a stitch in our side. And people really segment their body and they don't look at it as, a, as the whole. And part of what the beautiful part of acupuncture is being able to look at the whole person from their eating style, their sleeping style, what they drink, what they think about, you know, how they live, you know, bringing it into this beautiful physical body that is all interconnected and instead of being segmented. So, for instance, that client you were talking about that Nate gave me that name, um, she had so many different segments that were separate from herself. And being able to bring that in and make her whole, you know, her make herself whole through acupuncture was beautiful to see. It was a, it was an amazing journey. And I got to be your partner along with that. Yeah. Not that I did anything. I just watched you guys yeah. do your thing. And it, that was, that was beautiful. So anyway, I want to bring that back up because it was so cool for me when you're looking at Chinese medicine, a big part of it besides the acupuncture part is the herb part. Can you explain to folks what, and not, not go in depth yeah, in okay. herbs because it's so, so deep, but rather the eating, the meditating, the nutritional part with herbs, what part does that play in our overall health? And the obvious answer is a big part, but just if you, if there is a Chinese medicine philosophy on what those things do, I think it'd be good for people to hear. Well, if, so a good example, you know, that might be an easy one to just explain. Um, if someone tends to run really hot, like sweat a lot, you know, they're sweating in their head, they're sweating their armpits, their palms, their feet, and they just have a lot of, you know, heat going on in their body. The nice thing about herbs and being able to sit one-on-one -on -one with someone and understand where they're at is I can then choose an herb that's going to help cool them down, you know, and it'll be very subtle. It's not a one pill, a quick fix. It's going to be over time, you know, to help cool down this body because there's a reason they're in an excitation um, heat mode, you know, and I want to start bringing and adding and cooling, you know, to, to get that to calm down. But with that, you don't want to dry someone out too bad or you don't want to cause someone too much damp because then that creates a whole other with herbs you with mean herbs, giving them yeah. too much of the wrong too kind much, of herbs correct and you know so the blends have to be good it has to be a an even you know and it depends on the formula mm -hmm. what we would give someone but now, it does what about diet though do, do if you're putting someone on herbs oh, absolutely. do you try to yeah, give absolutely. them i was just talking the herbs Definitely a diet is going to play a big key. Mm -hmm. You know, is this person eating a lot of fast food, drinking a lot of beer? You know, what are, what are they doing in their world, um, you know, to create so much um, heat, internal heat in their body? So helping them decide, you know, what would be the best and easiest steps, you know, because it's, it's not... It's simple. It's not easy for a lot of people to change what they put in their I'll mouth. Amen to that. <laughs> um, so it's baby steps, you know, really getting them to course correct and um, see how they feel, and then help them do another one as they're as they're cooling down. 
So we've talked about how the herbs for specific conditions or where they're at in this five element cycle can help. And we've talked about diet, which is basically, you know, you don't have to get too tricky with it. It's try to eat good, healthy food, right? right. Lean meats, organic. organic stuff, fruits and vegetables, drink water. What about this business of the mental, emotional, spiritual side through meditation? Because first of all, is that as big a piece of Chinese medicine as what we think as just on the, you know, if I'm just thinking, oh, what's Chinese medicine? It's going to be acupuncture, herbs, and meditation. Is that true, number one? And if so, what part does the meditation play and how do people go about exploring that? Meditation does play a huge part. And there's a lot of different philosophies from excuse me, from Eastern, um, Eastern people and the Buddhist and, you know, really being able to have a moment where, and it can be five minutes or three minutes just to be present. Um, because we tend to live Americans and I'm generalizing tend to live, you know, they're going a hundred miles an hour and they're always looking at the next thing. And that creates anxiety. So being able to slow down and be in a moment, if it's just for a moment, it helps the brain to reset. So I'm a huge advocate for meditations. And they have some great guided ones, you know, on YouTube, if people don't really want to. And it's not just sitting and being quiet and telling your brain to shut up. Because that's hard. That's difficult. I mean, that, yeah, that, is, hard. that is for the Buddhist monks who have been practicing for eons. Um, to really kind of calm their mind down, you know, but for us people in America who need to just take a break and be be present instead of, you know, running so far ahead or dwelling so much in the past. And they say in my practice, you know, if um, if you're always thinking and anticipating the future, it causes anxiety. But if you're always dwelling in the past, it causes depression. So present is a gift and we need to stay there. That's beautiful. What about movement? Tell me about movement from the Chinese medical model. Is there a specific type of movement? Because when I think of it, I think of Tai Chi or yoga would be the two movement categories that I would put within Chinese medicine. Is that accurate or is that a separate thing? No, that definitely um, they believe in, in movement and it's more along the lines, you know, not weight training, not hit training, not, you know, huge cardiovascular stuff, but movement being the key to life. And they do Qigong and they do Tai Chi, which is all very slow um, martial arts, as it were. And it's beautiful. And then some people you'll see doing just mindful walk and um, or mindful eating, you know. So it's just the, the art of that movement while you're chewing and thinking and what feeling your body digest this beautiful food that you've just put into it, you know? I mean, that can be movement in itself. I love that. And you know, that that term mindful, I think it's worth us exploring that for a minute. Mindful to me would, that's the Eastern term. For me, if I equate that, it's self-awareness. So if I'm mindful walking or a walking meditation, I'm walking with an intentional purpose of not necessarily going from point A to point B, but what am I seeing on my walk? Right. What am I feeling right. under my feet? What are the sounds around me? And the wind or the breeze blowing and this, how the sun feels on you. Yes, it's being aware, being in the moment, no matter what you're doing. 
So you're not creating that um, anxiety and you're not stuck in, in the past where it's, you're just depressed. I love that so much. And mindful eating would be a great example, again, mm -hmm. since you mentioned it, because people are probably going, what's mindful eating? <laughs> and funny. for me, it, I don't often do it. You, you eat with me virtually every meal. I right. like to hog it all down while it's still hot or cold, right? Unless it's super healthy. Unless it's super healthy, okay. and then I kind of take my time with it because I'm absorbing it. <laughs> but um, really, it's, it's about being thankful for that bite of food, for all of the things that went into it, right? The sun coming down to warm the earth, the rain bringing nutrients, the roots of that thing growing up, or, or the, the farmers that are taking care and ranchers of these animals, all of this stuff going into that one perfect bite that we're taking right. at the moment. And then what that's gonna do for our digestion, what it's gonna do for our muscles, for our heart, that is, is that how you view mindful eating as well? Because that's what I think about. I yes. don't do it very often, but when I yes. think about it, that's it feels good to, to eat that way. Yeah, it absolutely. And it helps your body to digest and assimilate the food much better than shoving it all down really quick and having a big lump in your belly and you know, you don't you're not digesting and then you go to bed where a lot of people just then go to bed on this really heavy meal and it's not healthy. That is, yeah, that is definitely not healthy. So note to self. Yes, for many reasons. <laughs> yeah. When let, Let's shift gears again. When looking at um, a business, so you own your own business, right? You're an acupuncturist, you treat patients. Then you work in our business at Ramos Law. Talk to me about culture and this philosophy that we've been talking about. How does it affect the spirit of a business if they're, if the people within it are healthy, if they're putting themselves first, like what, for example, one of our core values here is, um, care deeply and every new onboarding person that I get the opportunity to visit with, I tell them caring deeply starts caring for yourself first, taking care of you. Cause if you're well taken care of, you're in a much better place to take care of others. So culturally speaking, how do businesses benefit when someone takes on this philosophy of of self-care, self-awareness, making sure they're balanced in their life, whether it's through acupuncture or whatever else, how does that affect a business? And you're seeing it every day here. Right. You know, honestly, I'm watching um, the, the staff here really grow and blossom into more health conscious, um, you know, way of thinking and how they're looking at stuff. And I had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Ramos, and he was so, he was so cute, um, just loved the guy. Anyway, he's like, this team, you know, spends so much time taking care of the business. I want somebody to come in and take care of them. How freaking cool is that? So cool. Right? What boss does that? I mean, really, so truly. So I've been telling, you know, everybody that I get to see how lucky they are to have such an insightful and boss who cares truly and deeply for them to take care of themselves first, you know? That's amazing. So it's been really nice to see and just the feedback and the energy and yeah, it's very humbling. Well, and I'll tell you from our side, we hear over and over again as the leadership team of the business, the impact that it's had on their ability to work better, be more productive, be more engaged in their work because if they're coming to you for a pain or a symptom, then you're helping them with that. If they're coming to you to as a stress relief, then you help them with that. If they're coming to you because you 
truly, again, not to make you blush, but you are one of the most caring, nurturing, loving people that I know. And I happen to be married to you. So I get all of that, right? I get to receive all of that every day. But I, I remember when Dr. Ramos was saying, hey, what I want you to do, you do whatever you do to sprinkle love and <laughs> yourself love. Yep. across this place because the people here do give constantly Tons. for their clients, for our clients. So that's been amazing. Have you seen... Um, or heard about the increase in productivity either inside of work or outside of work as a result of working with your patients? You know, I to be honest, I haven't. Um, that would be probably best for you guys to answer within mm -hmm. the office, but I, I can only imagine that they feel so much you know, better as they're leaving um, the treatment room to be able to... to go forward you know mm -hmm. i mean if if they're depleted and their tank is out of gas you know they're not going to get very freaking far and if they can come see me and i can fill them up then they're going to be able to work many more hours and not run on empty if so that oh, makes sense totally makes okay. sense what should so as a chiropractor my philosophy is that there's a couple ways to treat patients one is you can treat them for their symptom whether it's a headache and neck pain a back pain a shoulder injury or whatever we can treat them for that one is to treat them past that into better function where we say, okay, you have a, um, a, a bad curve in your spine or you have arthritis. For you to manage that, we're going to see you long-term periodically because it's never going to go away. We're going to manage it. And then there's maintenance, right? Where you're functioning great. We just want to keep you functioning great. From an acupuncture standpoint, what is the best way to use acupuncture outside of I'm going to come in for headaches. So if it come in for headaches, it might take two visits. It might take 10 visits. I don't know, whatever it might take for headaches. How should people look to use acupuncture in their lives if it's not for symptoms? Okay. A lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack. And it's a different philosophy coming from a chiropractic perspective yes. than what I have. Um, I'm going to meet the person where they are. It could, I've, I've treated people with migraines that, you know, within six months of seeing me, you know, every other week, they're golden. But I've had a few that have taken a lot longer. And I've had some with headaches that, you know, they're great in five visits. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't come from that space of the chiropractic business model. So to answer your question, I don't think I can. What, what about this then? I know for sure that in an acupuncture because i'm certified in acupuncture so i would be like your apprentice right and, and you know this like i'll do acupuncture on you and, and you are an artist on me so i know points to make someone feel better for headaches you know how to check all these things that we've already talked about on the show there's a seasonal change the the energy changes each season and so like if i said someone should come in for maintenance adjustment once a month is it appropriate for someone to come in as a tune-up based for acupuncture when they're when they don't feel anything would it be like for a seasonal change or would it be when they go through a traumatic event emotionally that that's a good time to get things balanced is there any schedule like that yes and um seasonally is absolutely a great way to look at stuff um coming in you know, it's always better to stay well than it is to get well. So. And that's a Chinese, isn't that a Chinese philosophy? Didn't they used to pay? I thought as, as I was doing my training that Chinese doctors 
way, way back, mm-hmm. they got paid to keep people wellness, healthy. Their wellness visits, they're yeah. not sick visits. And if they, whatever. if the person was sick, they didn't they get didn't paid pay. for that. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what you're talking about. Easier yeah. to stay well than to get well. Than to get well. So mm-hmm. I really, you know, if someone, you know, and it, it's, it's a hard question to answer. I apologize that I'm struggling with that. Um, I really try to let everybody know, you know, at least once a month is a really great way to stay well, you know, but if they have issues, obviously they need to get in before, you know, Mm -hmm. which is good. And then I do have some that just show up for the season change, you know, which is a nice, you know, diverse kind of thing. Absolutely. I agree. And I think for every patient, the type of treatment that makes most sense is based on their quality of life. What stresses are they under at work or at home? What biomechanical issues are they doing? Are they moving? Are they eating well? Because the more, here's what I know for sure. The more rules of health we break, the more intervention we're going to need. The more rules of health we keep with sleep, starting with sleep, making sure we get good sunlight, making sure that we're eating well, good oxygen, good movement. The more of those we keep, then we're going to need less intervention from the outside. So I would imagine that that model really holds true in your art as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I think th- this has been a fascinating conversation. And, you know, again, I get to talk to you in a different way now because normally we're just talking about day-to-day stuff, right? And sometimes we'll talk about specific cases or specific things because we're both always learning and growing in, in our own uh, chosen fields. If you had... Um, one piece of advice that you've been given or that you've learned along the way that has helped you become the best version of yourself. Do you know what that would be? And if so, would you share it with us? Wow, that's deep. You got to come back to me on that one? I'm going to have to come back to you on that one. Okay, well, you come back to me on that one. Let, Let me ask you this then, and maybe it gets you there. Do you have a mentor or someone that you like to study or learn from that helps you continue to grow and sharpen your skills and continue to evolve your mind? Yeah, I have several of them. Um, They're all in the, you know, kind of herbal um, philosophy, kind of Eastern medicine, you know, with supplements and immune systems and you know so i do study a lot of nutrition and herbal um herbal aspects a lot a lot of those a lot of those really good solid Mm -hmm. mentors Mm -hmm. yeah and that makes sense with what you're doing um what about someone who would consider acupuncture as a career do you have any advice for them if they were like man i want to because the way that you talk is so different right than the average person i mean if anyone listening to this today i know for sure that they're going to go wow, she sounds super at peace. She sounds super kind, super loving. That's how you come across. It's how you emote. It's who you are as a human, but also your philosophy guides how you act on the day-to-day. If someone thought about becoming an acupuncturist, what do you, how would you guide them to pursue that path? Or I guess maybe, maybe anything in healthcare. You know, really, it needs to be a passion you know, for, for healing and, and um I would just really super encourage them to check into it because it is such a beautiful medicine and it's a beautiful way to look at life differently than our day-to-day normal chaos, which we seem to be caught up in, 
a lot more now than before. We sure do. And, uh, you know, I would add to what you just said so eloquently that I would say, are you called, do you feel called to it? There are certain things that you're called to. And ideally, the more called we are to everything in our life, the more of an inspired life we leave. That, that call, like it, you can be curious about it, but the calling can be, I want to help people in a natural means versus a surgical means versus a chemical means, right? Like to know that I got to do that. Now you can explore whether it's acupuncture or chiropractic or physical therapy or whatever, but boy, it's, it's, uh, to me, it's been a rewarding thing. And that's not where I spend my, all my time anymore right now. It's more running the business and all that kind of thing. But I'm telling you, just watching you, um, make a difference in the people's lives that we have here and that I, I get to see along the journey. It's inspiring to me, you know, it, it's really inspiring. So I can't thank you enough for what you do. It makes a big difference. Now I'm going to go back and put you on the spot. So I'm going to give you a, a softball on what my answer would be for, um, the best advice that either I have been given or that I've come up with. And then I want you to see if something pops in your mind for me, if I could share one thing with folks and I haven't shared this in a long, long time, it would be the power of consistency because we're all consistent anyway, right? We're consistently doing whatever we're doing. We're, we're ruled by our habits. That's just the way that it is. And if we can harness that into the consistency of the things that are going to take us to where we want to go, there's, there is literally no stopping us from hitting our individual potential. That's just that. So for me, the best piece of advice that I've learned along the way is find out what you want to do, find the actions it takes to get there, and then just be relentlessly consistent in that application of action and thought. And, and you're going you're gonna to make a big impact. So that would be mine. Well, mine definitely is going to come to the heart. Um, you know, being in that heart space where, you know, we have our, we have our thinking brain. We have three brains in my world. So we have our gut brain, we have our thinking brain, and we have our heart brain. Okay, now you're going to have to define oh, all those. Oh, gosh, here we go. Um, <laughs> so we all know what the brain brain is, our brain head brain. Brain brain, our head brain. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people live from here up, you know, from the neck up. And um, bringing them into their body and into the moment really puts them in that heart space, the, the heart brain. So even with our kids, you know, I tell them all the time, you know, follow your heart, which we hear that that um, phrase a lot, but it, what it truly means to me in my world is what is it telling you? How is it leading you? You know, if you can get out of your head and get out of ego, what does the heart say? And so for me, that's how I, I like to live and, and guide our children into their space. It's a beautiful thing. And you've done a great job, by the way, our kids range from going to be 25 to going to be 36. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can't believe I'm even saying those numbers I right know. now instead of five to 16, but <laughs> so be it. But, um, you know, you've done a masterful job in, in helping them follow their hearts and their dreams because they are all so different. They're so beautiful and they're so wonderful and in part a great, a great part because of your influence. So thank you for that from me as your partner, your life partner. And as we've gone through that journey. And thanks for spending time. I, I know that this was something that you were doing reticently because you don't like to be in front of the camera. No. You don't like to be in front of the microphone, but you just did such a great job. And, and I know that people are going to be um, asking for more. So if someone wanted to reach out to you to ask questions, to learn more, what would be the best way for them to do that? Would that be for them to call us here at the law firm and yeah, kind of reach so. out to you? I think so. That'd probably be a really good idea. Okay. So if anyone has questions, 
um, you can call 303-733-6353, ask for Shauna, and uh, we'll be happy to connect her with you so that you can get your questions answered. Uh, she is a wealth of knowledge. I learn from her every single day. And so Shauna, again, thank you. I'm going to say what I call you normally. I'm going to say love. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, I you. love you. You've been a great <laughs> guest. And um, you know the show's now better because of you. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love you too. <laughs>